welcome to the Live Up podcast, where we revisit the movies from our youth to see if they live up. And I'd like to welcome all of our new listeners. We appreciate you. And if everyone could do one more thing for us, just like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. That would be awesome. I'm Jess Lanneman. And I'm Amanda Treat. And today's movie makes us ask, what is kidnapping? What is Stockholm Syndrome? Is this fun? I think <laughs> we're fun. having fun. It's 1987's Overboard. Jess, what inspired you to pick this? And I'd never seen it before. <laughs> Which is shocking, but we'll get to that. So aside from retaliation, because I made you watch Mad Max and Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer for the first time <laughs> in your life, why did you choose Overboard for us to review? Yeah, so I don't think of it as retaliation. I, I feel like I'm filling in the gaps of your 80s and 90s movies on cable television education. This was actually another listener request. So thank you, Liz, for reminding me of this movie's existence. I definitely watched this movie endlessly as a kid. I watched it so much that sometimes we'd watch, we'd catch like the last half hour on TV, like on TBS River, and then we would just stay and just watch the whole thing again. So I watched it a lot, and it definitely falls in the category of I loved watching it as a kid, haven't seen it in 30 years, and I had no idea whether it lives up. So thank you, Liz, for <laughs> recommending it. Is this um, the Liz I know as well? Is this the Liz you know oh, as hello, well? Yes. Hello. I hope she is happy with our assessment of this, as all listeners are. I also just, I love that Kurt Russell and Goldie Hawn are married in real life. I didn't watch this movie with my kids, unfortunately, because of scheduling and it was late. However, you know, they have another life as a couple in the movies as the Christmas Chronicles. So I, I do think there's some relevant, like kids today kind of know who they are just from that. Um, if I'm honest, by the way, I haven't seen the Christmas Chronicles either. Yeah, I mean, that you don't. I'm not to. the target audience. Though. Yeah, That's you don't okay. need to see them. You don't need to see them, except that Kurt Russell is still really charming in that. I'm kind of nervous about what your opinion is on this movie. <laughs> and then, I hope we're not going down a path of Troop Beverly Hills, which listeners, uh, Amanda did not like, and I loved, and she was wrong. But <laughs> I was annoyed. That was the word I would have chosen. I was annoyed watching Troop Beverly Hills. <laughs> Um, but I hope you like this one or at least appreciated Goldie Hawn's talents in this. Well, we will see. I made our shared notes very big. I don't want you to get a full feel of which direction I'm going. I'm not sure I'm going a direction if I'm honest, but we'll, we'll see. We're going to unpack all of this. And there's going to be a lot of, uh, like boat metaphors and like diving in (laughs) metaphors and just get ready. It's going to be like a dad joke this whole episode if we do it right <laughs> a whole episode of dad jokes about diving in uh, and going overboard on things I think I was anticipating that I would have to have a lot of rebuttals on this episode to defend <laughs> this movie uh but I didn't know from your notes whether you liked it or not so I'm a little like off kilter here so <laughs> you knew I did not like hook from my notes my notes are very very <laughs> negative about hook and I, was I like, kept oh, these no. ones more obtuse. You can't see what I'm doing, what I'm thinking. Um, I'm nervous, guys. I'm nervous. <laughs> All right. So since my mind is like a blank slate on this movie, first, Jess, would you care to give one of your fantastic plot summaries of Overboard? Sure, I will. Overboard portrays the lighter side of kidnapping and misogyny and turns it into a love story, as one does. As we've established on this podcast, making fun of rich people never gets old. 
Goldie Hawn plays Joanna Staten, and she is the richest bitch there is. She falls overboard on her yacht, suffers amnesia. The carpenter she treated like crap basically gaslights her into thinking they're married so he could have free childcare and maid service. So in other words, it's the perfect love story. Oh, perfect. Perfect. That's what this is. Oh, what a great recap. Thank you, Jess. <laughs> Don't you love it already? You love it already. <laughs> oh, my God. So this movie... One of our listeners, one of my neighbors, had warned me, like, oh, that movie's terrible. So, like, oh, I was I braced. Like your well, you know, people have different opinions, and we respect yeah. all of our listener opinions as well as our own. Oh, sorry, neighbor. <laughs> I like you. I like you now that you're a listener. Sorry. <laughs> I went into this one thinking, all right, my husband is A, never going to watch this, and, like, let's find a time where he's not even going to walk in the room and make snide comments about it, because it just was given off that vibe from the poster that's too bad he missed out this is a total segue aside but <laughs> listeners we had our house get struck by lightning and the few things that got taken out in the electrical surge was the dvd player <laughs> so it's like such an old person thing to say but <laughs> my dvd player got hit by lightning <laughs> So did her telegraph machine, apparently. My telegraph machine and my air conditioning. It's a good thing you still have your carrier pigeon. You know what? And this isn't a joke either, but this sounds like I'm making a 90s joke here. Our radon removal system. Like, we're all going to die of radon poisoning and carpal tunnel syndrome like everybody did in the 1990s. That got hit by lightning, too. But, uh, yeah, we lost our DVD player. Anyway. Nothing to do with this movie other than I actually had to pay for it. So I was oh. like bracing myself like this better be good. I had to so pay. So do you horrible. own it now? Did you have to buy it? No, I had to subscribe to some service, but I've taken this so far down the wrong path here. So back to the movie. Back to you enjoying this movie. Yeah. <laughs> so cued this up poured a giant glass of wine and was like, all right, let's do this thing. From the opening credits, this movie screams 1980s. It it's, really did. It looks like B-roll footage from Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous. Yes. It's just like a yacht panning yes. across the screen with this super cheesy 1980s music. Like, woo, we're weird. And then this bright red font over all the title credits. It's the 1980s happening all over the screen. Yeah, it looks, I totally got rich and famous vibes from it, which oh I get that God. vibe throughout the movie. You do, but, yeah. He And like that yeah. actually, they're watching it at one point. I know, which I thought was funny. Yeah. Yeah, it's very um, 80s. And, and for those who did watch this as kids, I don't think the full credits were on TV because I didn't remember them. It sort of sets the scene like, oh, yeah, this is so 80s. I remember watching this. It kind of like puts you in the mood. Yeah, you're in a time and a place when this yeah, like totally. opening, these opening shots, yeah. you get a huge splash across the page, a Gary Marshall film. And yeah. in my head, it's like, ooh, this could be really hit or miss because yes, he's the guy who created Happy Days and Laverne and Shirley, which I grew up watching. And he's got Beaches, Pretty Woman. He did like all these good movies, but he's also got a number of really bad movies. And like every director does, but it's just like, yeah. ooh, all right, this name means something but i don't know if it's good or if it's bad and then it does pop up leslie dixon as the screenwriter so like she's actually a really good screenwriter she wrote mrs doubtfire she's written a number of things so and we love our lady screenwriters on this we do we do it's good stuff respect leslie dixon so 
overboard. Let's dive in on uh, our characters. Oh, the first dive in. Terrible, terrible <laughs> joke. So we meet Goldie Hawn, who is playing Joanna Staten. And she's the rich bitch for those following along. She's on the yacht. She is in a swimsuit that is cut so high. <laughs> I could feel it. Like, it looks like she's being impaled by this swimsuit. It looks excruciating. Yeah, it does. Like, I, I can viscerally feel it. Like, it must have felt like the after feeling of being, like, kicked in the crotch that whole take. <laughs> She's just been injured. She should get hazard pay. It looks so painful. <laughs> yeah, more hazard pay than, like, Tina Turner's 120-pound uh, chainmail dress. Both of them deserve hazard pay yeah. for their costumes in these movies. Oh, just to clarify, Tina Turner's not in this movie. We are referring to no. Mad Max. Go listen to our Mad Max episode. Yeah, but, but maybe you don't see the movie again. But yeah. Um, or do. So it's awesome. I also noticed her swimsuit and I wrote down, this swimsuit seems to be missing a butt. I mean, like, it is like... It seems to be missing its sides. Like, it's like the crotch <laughs> straight up sense. to her, like, throat. It's so painful looking. Like, oh... <laughs> But she is, she's more than just a bathing suit, isn't she? She's well, like, at this point, if you scratch the, below the bathing suit surface here, <laughs> I don't know where I'm going with this metaphor, but like. <laughs> I like where you're going. I, no, don't know where, I mean, I don't she's know an awful person. Go. You might as well leave her as just being the swimsuit because she's just a mean, yeah. like snaps at people and is just aggressive, but also very vapid. She's very unlikable, even though it's Goldie Hawn, who we all know is adorable and charming and you know bubbly but i think goldie hawn is so funny as a mean awful person she plays the rich bitch in a great way i really enjoyed her strutting around in her uncomfortable bathing suit i still found her funny i mean she's like drying her nails on the deck and a bug lands on them and she's just like am i to have all these corpses under my nails and it's funny she's a ridiculous rich bitch but i, I kind of loved her i recall the character she played in first wives club was also a little bit like this oh yeah so, like she, bit, yeah. she does have that way of just trailing off in the middle of a question that just sounds so like snotty and mean i just think that she's so funny in this she has a great line the scene where kurt russell is the carpenter so he's on the ship and he's building her a closet basically for his her shoes so he's building her a closet and he, for some reason, he builds it in a day, which is ridiculous anyway. But and it's like electronic and controlled by it's like. A very fancy closet. Yeah, it's a nice shoe closet. Yeah. But and it's not made out of whole... cedar. Right. It's not made out of cedar. And she's like, the whole civilized world knows that closets are made out of cedar. And that it sounds dumb when I'm saying it, but it sounds really funny when Goldie Hawn is saying it. And it's such a bitchy line. And, you know, it's obviously bitchy, but like, you know what? In my head, I was like, actually, yeah, Cedar like, prevents right. moths from getting into the closet. And like, I actually knew that. I don't yeah. have a cedar closet. Though, Are you reference. a rich bitch, Amanda? Oh, yeah. I totally ripped off this carpenter because he didn't make it out of did cedar. Did you throw his tools overboard? <laughs> I did. Yeah. <laughs> And then I had the butler kick him. Yeah, it was bad. And that sets the whole plot. In no motion. regrets. No regrets. Cedar closets no regrets. for life. I mean, okay, rich bitch for like not, you know, this sets the whole plot up because she doesn't pay him. She throws his tools overboard because she's mad that he didn't do it right. But it's, I was still laughing at the line. She still delivers a good line. I liked her as Joanna because it's also fun to hate rich people as we've established. Yeah, no, we love class warfare on this yeah, podcast. We, really, <laughs> we do love class warfare on this podcast. It's, it makes for good 80s and 90s movies. So, oh, yeah. 
it makes every movie a little bit better that class warfare especially if you can kick someone off a yacht kicking right. people off of yachts is just <laughs> mwah, chef's kiss fantastic she's got the superpower of being dare i use the phrase a karen she is the ultimate karen we've dissected class warfare a little bit but there's also the whole like new money old money attitudes thing that people dissect all over the internet and she's acting very new money she is complaining about everything she's being mean to everybody she doesn't get along with her the help like i gotta say it in that voice she doesn't have any empathy there's no relationships being established there's no empathy so yeah, she sucks. No, she 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 does suck. She sucks. But in some ways you have to not like her in order to sort of go all in on the plot, you know, because eventually she basically gets gaslit into being someone's housewife and you have to be okay with that. So I think you're really supposed to dislike her, but in some ways she made disliking her really fun. It was not comical. Like, like there's yeah. a moment where she turns to storm out and her shoulder pads are so big she can't fit through the doorway and she gets like jammed <laughs> for a second and then has to change the angle and slide through. Yeah. And that physical comedy is something Goldie Hawn is really good at. I mean, it's funny you mentioned that. So I, I did forget how good she is at physical comedy because it comes up a lot in other places in this. But I had forgotten how funny she is in yeah. the physical sense. She, she has a great very physical funny. humor. And I think it lends itself well here. She was just a delight for to watch, even whether she's being Joanna or Annie. It's I actually think she was even funnier as Annie, the housewife. Like her despair in it is funny. So, I mean, I loved it. Jessica cheers for despair I cheer. wherever she finds it. <laughs> I cheer for despair of rich people, I guess. I mean, <laughs> I, I just think she was so good in it. The setup here, and I will take this into a personal story. So she's hired Kurt Russell's character, Dean, to build a closet on her yacht. And then when she discovers that it's not made out of cedar, even though she did not specify that when she asked him to build the closet, she refuses to pay him. And I have had that happen back when I worked for smaller agencies. Really? Where we had mega rich clients come in and ask, okay, we want like a new logo for this store we're building. We need a website. We need the branding. We need everything. And that when they got to the end of the contract, they would say, this isn't what I wanted and refuse to pay because they were betting a small agency wouldn't lawyer up and take them to court and that like it was That's too really expensive to sue. Basically, it, it's like a dine and ditch that you would, would see teenagers doing to like a restaurant. Like it's I didn't. Yeah, it's pretty. It's such a stupid rich person. I'm not going to pay because I can get away with this and they can't afford to sue me. And it actually happens in real life. So when she did this to him, I was genuinely pissed. Not enough for like a kidnapping situation, but genuinely (laughs) pissed because I know that cheap rich people do that. That's a real thing. Of those of us roughly our age who grew up watching this, I mean, you just kind of are like, it's very simple and I didn't watch this with my kids, but I imagine it would be a really simple thing for them to follow. Like, this is not fair. She's the bad guy. She's treating him unfairly. And, you know, then you kind of give a permission structure for revenge and you're like, yeah. okay. And I think as a, you know, 10 year old or whatever, when I was watching this on TV, I was okay with that because it's a very simple revenge plot, essentially. 
yeah no she cheated him now he's gonna cheat her back but yeah it's yeah our understanding of what is acceptable levels of cheating it was certainly acceptable in like the early 90s or late 80s when i was watching you could totally kidnap somebody who you thought had wronged you totally gaslight them and to be that was a thing obviously but (laughs) i I guess i could imagine kids or teens like kind of being okay it would help them understand the basics of the plot and, and it would be all right Let's treat her like two characters. That's we've right. We've never yeah, done this before, but all right. We've got Joanna, who's established. She, and I do want to call out, in addition to her being a horrible human being, they make it clear she doesn't want kids. So these That's are right. the personality yeah. traits that need to be overcome. She doesn't want kids because selfishly, and this comes out of a conversation with her mother, Which is if so she weird. has a baby, she'll stop being the baby which is such a creepy ass line creepy ass line yeah that is a weird line like yeah. you're a 30 something uh, they never say a real age but 30 something year old woman who wants yeah, to, be to be the baby. baby yeah so that's joanna the first character we want to talk about and then she falls off this yacht Somehow gets amnesia, but not before when she's flailing around the water. She just yells, oh, my hair. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Which I kind of liked. She was just like, oh, she's so vapid. Right. Like, she's still being vapid, even though she's in, like, a dangerous like, situation. I could Which die here, but oh, but my, my hair. hair. Yeah. She literally falls overboard, and she ends up being pulled in by a trash barge. And Which is t- funny. Of course. Yeah. No, that part I mean, is funny. Yeah. She shows up on the news and she's got a whole attitude at the hospital because she doesn't know who she is, but she knows she's better than this. Right. And... Like she still has rich bitch attitude, but yeah. she doesn't know she's a rich bitch. Yeah. yeah. So you see Dean, the carpenter, played by Kurt Russell, watching the news and his best friend Billy's sitting there and it only takes like a word. His friend Billy's like, no, don't do that. <laughs> and he's like yeah i'm gonna do that as an audience member you're trying to keep up like wait did we just move that fast from dean's on tv that the husband denied that's his wife and he's got a whole plot in his head and now billy's already onto it and is like don't 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 do that it moves very fast but like i kind of actually liked that it was just like we don't need to do a whole exposition here yeah we could go to this that whole idea that basically the Kurt Russell, the Dean character shows up with some panties and was, and knows that she has a birthmark on her butt per the earlier bathing suit conversation. And they're like, yeah, sure. Here, take her home. I mean, that's like a whole crazy. He didn't even show up with the panties. He got those from the hospital. didn't he? Oh, that's right. He got those from the hospital, right? Yeah. He just shows up knowing she has a birthmark on her ass because she was wearing the world's most painful swimsuit that is cut all the way up to her throat and probably crushing all her organs in a weird way. Yeah, and then and they just are like, yeah, this bitch sucks. Here, take her. Like, and, and please I even, get her out of here. Oh, and even at some point, the doctor's like, this man seems nice. He seems to like you. Maybe you should just go along with it. It's like he knows that this is full of shit, but he doesn't care. Yeah. Yeah, it's a oh. kind of a weird. Uh, it, that 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 seems a little weird, and and in the cringe category, the, the cringiest part of that scene is he's so Kurt Russell 
walks in and is like, oh, this is my wife. Her name's Annie. And he grabs her and like bends her over and kisses her. Like you can feel the tongue down the throat, but she's like, who the fuck is this? I think that they established so much that she sucked that I was okay. I'm not saying that people deserve to get like assaulted or anything, but like that she (laughs) she deserves to get one being pulled over on her because she sucks so much. So in a weird way, I sort of forgave all of that because and I just certainly did as a kid and I, I would even venture to say like I think teens today might be all right with it too like you know it's wrong but this person sucks I think I had a level of suspension of disbelief but take that situation out of this movie and that's a friggin serial killer psychopath move there it's safe when it's Kurt Russell and Goldie Hawn it is not safe anywhere else in any other situation I mean, that's so a good point. And one could probably make an entire horror movie out of the same plot. But you're yeah. totally right. It kind of works with them because she's so good as a bitch and but kind of weirdly likable. And like, he's so charming. It's OK. I hate to say he's so charming. It's OK, because I guess it's not. But he's I- charming, but he's also he's Kurt Russell and he's got that like Kurt Russell psychopath face he makes occasionally. He makes it in this movie and I like it. But like in real life, I would find that terrifying. I just feel like this is where I'm just sort of forgiving all that. There are no pearls to be seen that I could clutch over here and think that it's, it feels so minor and that I'm okay with it. And I could be sensitive to this stuff. Like I was like clutchy. I was a little pearl clutchy over Indiana Jones and, and some other movies we've watched, but. You were pearl clutchy over Beauty and the Beast for the Stockholm Syndrome. Yeah, I did. I I did. That's that's my least favorite What's going on here? I, I almost wanted to take Beauty and the Beast for just that because I was like, this sucks. That part sucks. But in this weird way, the injustice of her not paying and throwing the tools over, I was kind of okay. It felt like weirdly eye for an eye for me <laughs> that I was all right with it and There's... went with it. And didn't I didn't think it was cringy enough that it can't be watched and enjoyed in the year of our Lord, 2023. I think it's I, I, I waver on this. I'm trying to give you the benefit of the doubt. <laughs> For example, if Donald Trump, if he fell off a yacht and hit his head and forgot who he was and some woman swept in and was like, no, you work really hard over here. And yeah, I'd be okay work, with that. That'd be great. We'd kind of find that funny you would so, find it funny but that is probably I, a crime i really hate that you put donald trump and and that bathing suit in my head together and i'm not putting him in a bathing but, suit but Jesus. i did in my head Ooh, and i jessica oh, <laughs> it's, oh nobody right. needs to envision that it's it's in my head now but um mm. yeah no that would be okay so I, I was okay with this. We could, we could <laughs> maybe nostalgia is taking over here and making me okay with this, but that's what it's doing. Cause it wasn't, I didn't rewatch it and I was like, Oh God, this is worse than I thought. It was none of that. And I don't think I'd have to explain too much to my kids either. I, I think it's all right. But the great thing with Goldie Hawn is that she's just as funny as Annie and you don't feel too bad for her because you remember her being a rich bitch. But she's so funny in her despair. I mean, she's just like, no wonder I forgot about my life. But it's not sad. It's funny. And, you know, when she's cleaning up, she's like vacuuming shit. She doesn't know how to do it. I do love a good cleaning montage. Like (laughs) It's like watching the Marie Kondo show, like 
they spark joy. Like it starts really ugly and you get a before and an after and whoo. She's like vacuuming up the food on the table. She's feeding the dogs by throwing the dog food. And it again, I need to say though, great. she's fucking terrible with a chainsaw. <laughs> Lady cannot control a chainsaw, just out of control. No yeah. good. That's a, is that a character flaw for you? A little bit. Like it's just a chainsaw, <laughs> Annie. Get your shit together. <laughs> you know, when the kids buy the clothes before she gets there. So there's all these clothes that don't fit her. You think that she's suspicious. She's like, why do my clothes not fit? And they're like, oh, you used to be fat. I know that you I used don't... to be short. You used to be over. short. And she was like, I was fat and short. And <laughs> this like is really sad about that fact. And it's, it's just funny. It's she's great goldie hawn is funny although she actually evokes some sadness in me when we were doing these whole scenes because she genuinely doesn't know who she is and that's such a disorienting feeling she looks just disoriented and confused in some of these scenes and she's pushing through it and trying to do the best she can but i genuinely felt that sense of you've lost your entire life your personality you're not sure you're unstable there were moments in there where i felt genuinely bad for her even though she was awful in the beginning this was one thing i kind of worried about rewatching it it was going to be too too much or too dimensional but this is where i thought it was good is because you did feel sometimes bad for yeah But you didn't feel so bad for her that you were sad because the whole thing is still comical and ridiculous. Yeah, no, the whole premise of this movie is just... It's just ridiculous. Off and the rails, ridiculous. Yeah, even down to, you know, the Kurt Russell character, Dean, he, like, basically photoshops fake wedding photos and it's basically her no, photo. No, it's, it's his friend. Oh, right. It's making the friend. fake IDs. And by Photoshop, there was no Photoshop back in 1985, but he, he basically, like, through his fake ID making you, abilities. We need to explain this technology to our younger That's listeners true. you literally <laughs> needed to cut out and we know we have a photo people. of somebody's head and like perfectly place it on a photo of something else and then xerox it in color xerox and turn that into a picture an idea whatever the heck it was and people specialized in this i remember in high school everybody knew like that's the guy you go to for the fake IDs. He does it really well. Right. They this like pass everybody. Yeah. No, it was, it was a time, <laughs> but I it was, it was, it was scissors and glue time. People <laughs> scissors and glue. A lot of scissors and glue. And I, when he basically 1980 style photoshops or does the fake ID treatment, his friend for fake wedding photos, like she's looking at it. And the, the photo they use is the one from the newspaper. So she just looks like bedraggled. And she's looking at these photos of Annie and going, was I always this miserable? And it's in those moments, it's both poignant and funny. She can't figure out who she is. That's but she, so but it's sort of funny the way she says it, because she still says it like Joanna, like a rich bitch. So the whole thing. Her face does me. look miserable in all those photos, but she'd just been pulled <laughs> off a trash barge and photographed <laughs> by the news. <laughs> not her best not her best day not her best day so like there's there's things like that where it's empathetic and funny and yeah you know i i enjoyed that and that she can go from like the ecstatic and comedic to the dramatic like in a minute and and i thought it actually had more depth for me watching it as an adult yeah not in a i wasn't like touched by it or anything but no but like had more depth goldie hahn is such a good actress that sad goldie hahn in these moments actually hit me as oh 
if you had amnesia and you really didn't know who you were, this moment right. would be so sad and confusing to you. At the end, when Grant, her husband, finally shows up to pick her up, and like the jig is up, and he has to go get her, and she go and like she sees Grant, she immediately remembers everything, and she has this ecstatic, "I know who I am," and it's great. You're going along with it. She remembers she's rich. She remembers her travel. She remembers her boat. And then in a second, she remembers, wait a second, what did you just do to me? You know, and she had, and yeah, point, both her minds merged yeah, together and she's exactly. got the whole puzzle together. But I thought it was great because then she's like both Joanna and Annie at the same time. And she's sad, upset, happy. It's dramatic. It's funny. And it's all happens in like 30 seconds. Yeah. And this, I really appreciated Goldie Hawn's performance. She's great. In this. Great. Yeah. Yeah. So that I really like that for those who watched it as a kid, it I'll say it adds a dimension of empathy in here that's different now as an adult, but it's still funny. So I, I appreciated both Annie and Joanna, I guess. She is really confused and she's in this place that she doesn't recognize, but she has amnesia. So she's just going with the flow and Dean is introducing her to these are your four children and she's shocked which you would be because they're not actually hers but this is the woman who earlier had said I don't want to have children right yeah so a lot of shock there they're in this very I'm gonna say rundown it's leaking definitely needs a scrub kind of cabin he's <laughs> making her sleep on the couch she's just overwhelmed and you watch Goldie Hawn's face this whole time, just being shocked by everything around her, confused. And she's still got that tinge of Joanna in her. So she wants to violently yeah, react to it. Yeah. yeah. No, it's just like entering a fun house and not knowing why you're there. And some members of the audience, like Jessica, are like, ha ha ha, this is totally <laughs> deserved. But I feel like. Goldihan plays this so well that I genuinely felt a little sad for her. It's so funny because I remember watching this as a kid and I didn't have that level of sympathy. And I don't even know if kids today would either. Maybe not. Just, but it's but it's fun. It's still it's like multidimensional because you could you could have sympathy or you could just sort of like have fun with the idea that she's stuck in this. But like she's never cooked dinner oh, yeah, before and oh my god it's she so doesn't fun. know how to light the stove pilot she genuinely would not have encountered any of this in her previous life before Honestly, so this isn't even her I've brain this. she's like sticking a whole chicken feet and all in like a pot of water like, yeah <laughs> boiling a chicken and not knowing how to do it i don't know why they've left her to it like she's gonna give them salmonella poisoning at this rate yeah pretty much i was just like is this where everybody vomits I mean, this is how they all die of salmonella poisoning <laughs> yeah i mean I, again this is where i like the transition because eventually she transitions to making the lunches or whatever but as a parent now it's kind of relatable like yeah you just throw that shit together wing it Woo. i mean nobody does this well nobody like nobody does this well so it's no. okay it's okay yeah. Annie. <laughs> no yeah like a little bit of sympathy there you're just making it, it is, up yeah go. so she's left up with a chore list and her own devices and you see her mary poppins her way through the house <laughs> it's very dysfunctional mary poppins but you know it comes out a lot cleaner oh my god dysfunctional mary poppins is great yeah 
So I think her turning moment, the parents both get called into the school because the four boys have been misbehaving. The principal is basically saying like, your boys are not up to par. They're misbehaving. They're destructive. These terrible children. And she just goes full Karen on the principal. Like she channels her rage for powers of good. And so you see her inner superpower finally turning from harassing people into like, you're harassing the right person here. Like put that principle in her place. And you see Kurt Russell out in the hall over, I'm calling him Kurt Russell. You see Dean in the hall overhearing the whole thing. And he's like a little proud of her. Like, oh, yeah. Tell it off the principle. Yeah. no, scaring the principle, honestly. It's good. And this starts her whole trajectory in that she helps Kurt Russell, the Dean character, with his plan, his dream to build a mini golf course, which honestly looks like a pretty shitty 80s golf course, but whatever. Um, it was the 80s, though. I mean, they were I know. All, I was like, is it yeah. shitty or is it just from the 80s? And she basically uses these hilarious kid markers to help draw him up. She kind of just goes full mom. I hate to like put it in the gender role, but it, it is still really kind of charming. And I like it. I liked her. It going struck me she finds mom. a purpose. Like, yeah, she didn't have a purpose before. Like, I think even when Kurt, I gotta stop calling Kurt Russell. When Dean <laughs> gets in a fight with her right at the beginning, he has this comment: "You're so bored, you need to invent things to bitch about." And then the whole crew under the deck is like, "Yay!" applauding. <laughs> yeah. Um, that she didn't have a purpose before and that with the kids she's finding things to do she's finding a purpose she's finding some reason to get up in the morning and it's good and and she's a great karen she's like a karen for good yeah i mean it's no, there, she's yeah. a super i don't know what do you call that like a den mother <laughs> like i feel like there's an animal metaphor here that i'm like on the cusp of not a yeah, tiger she's... mama though she's a little bit short of that yeah, she's not quite a mother hen, though, either, because she's just, she's super flawed. I mean, which is what, again, what makes her kind of relatable. And also, you mentioned that you like the cleaning sequence, and I like the transformation sequence. Yeah. And I think in some ways, since I was a kid watching this movie, I've held all transformation sequences up to this one. I this mean, who doesn't love one. a good montage, especially right. like a... This is a great transformation montage, and everything should be held to this standard, I think. What other movies meet this standard? I'm curious. I don't know. For a transformation montage, I mean, this is a good one. I mean, we've, here's, we're... here's ones that pop into my mind. <laughs> Devil Wears Prada, the makeover oh, that's montage. Yeah. That's a good yeah. one. Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, where they're like making the whole village into like a cohesive, like we're hauling things up. We're building, we're working it. Like that's a good montage. Dare I say Phyllis Neffler from True Beverly Hills. Great transformation montage. Wait, which montage? I'm trying to think. When Phyllis ends up becoming like she's just that's sort the of like movie though. Like you need a montage. Yeah, a montage. You need a song and you need yeah, quick cuts no, of them I, doing I stupid. Think, I mean, d- this and Devil Wears Prada are the two greatest transformation montages. We will I, find I, more. We will we will find more. But we love a good like cleanup montage. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'll fight someone on this one. This is good. Um, I feel like we're not done talking about Annie yet, but we haven't talked about Dean. We haven't. We We should talk about Kurt Russell as Dean Prophet. And oh my God, this last name. (laughs) A little on the nose. So he's presented as this blue collar carpenter. He's a widower of three years. He's got these four boys at home who are just running amok. Fantastic. The school principal's there when he comes home from his first day of work. And she's there as like the crotchety 
law enforcement type, you know, I'm going to call child services on you, blah, blah, blah. And he's yelling after her, I'm a good father. And so that's his stakes is that he's kind of not a good father at the <laughs> beginning of this movie. It's questionable if he is at the end, but at least he brings in another person to make him a better father. Yeah. But did um, you like it? Because I have obviously a nostalgic feel for this movie. Yeah. Like, what were your thoughts on him? Did you like Kurt Russell in this? I do. I genuinely like Kurt Russell in most things he's in, including Death Proof, where he's a total psychopath, but he's still got that Kurt Russell charm and that Kurt Russell psychopath smile. And the Kurt Russell psychopath <laughs> smile, I think, is I don't know its own smile that you were. He to. he uses it occasionally in this movie. He really uses it in Death Proof. At one point, he just looks straight in the camera in that movie and just like ah, grin, creepy. I'll that one. But it's his mischievous face but taken up to 11 it's when the charm turns into trouble that's the facial expression he's making yeah but um, did you like it i think it works here i think it's yeah. appropriate for someone who's like you know what that lady didn't pay me i'm gonna kidnap her and put her to work and kind right. of keep her as a slave that's really fucked up and that's the perfect facial expression for when you're having that thought <laughs> his gig here is that he's gonna make her work back the $600 that she owes him for that closet. And I'm yeah. really glad they said that out loud because you don't know where the line is initially when he takes her home from the hospital. It's like, is he going to have sex with her? That doesn't seem right. He establishes I'm trying to make her work to pay back the $600. She wouldn't pay me for the closet. I think that's what makes it okay. Cause like, it's, I definitely needed that. But I have to have a confession here is that I, as a kid, that went over my head. I didn't even realize. I mean, I guess at some point I knew that. But adult it, me really, really needed that. No, I, I totally get that. Adult, adult me needed it too. But as a kid, I didn't honestly need it because it was like, well, that's just unfair. Yeah, it's just and revenge. I, yeah, I think that even kids today, they would probably need it more. Yeah, I mean, I thought he was great in this. Um I have to remind listeners occasionally that I'm the gay one on this podcast, but I still found Kurt Russell to be overwhelmingly charming. Like he's, he's just really charming in this. I thought he was really he great. Yeah. I thought as a kid, I thought he was like the coolest dude ever. So I was cool with his revenge plan. I'll confess that I was watching this movie, but at the same time, I have been watching that documentary, shiny, happy people about the Duger family. Part of it's talking about, these assigned chores and gender roles. So that was in my head while I'm watching him give her this list of chores and she's kind of stuck there as the slave as well. And it just is unsettling. I don't know. He's so charming. Again, like I don't think anyone but Goldie Hawn and Kurt Russell could yeah, have pulled this movie off. I like totally other agree. actors, this would have been so cringy. So they're getting away with it, but... I there's part of my brain that could not separate like the idea of this happening in the real world and how frigging disturbing it would be. I think you could have actually made almost like a weird fucked up funny movie, dark comedy out of this movie. You could have made a horror movie out of this. You, you could have gone a, a lot of ways. It. It, the gender role stuff I didn't love yet. Again, I tick it in the box of revenge. And I think what makes it redeeming is that he genuinely, the character, that the Kurt Russell character sort of falls for her and loves her and wants to be truthful. It was even charming to me when he was trying to come clean. And yeah. 
with it. They, so. they have the moment where they realize they've gone too far. This has to stop. But he yeah. can't bring himself to say it. But even when he tries to say it, he like fucks it up and it's sort of still part of the charm for me. So I really, really liked Kurt Russell in this. And I agree with you that if it was anybody else, it would be fucked up and weird. Who would be the worst people to recast here? Oh just, my God. Let's do this experiment. Great. Who is so friggin' creepy? Who's so creepy? Like if the husband was, I want to say like Christian Bale or because oh, he can yeah, go really dark. Yeah. Yes, that would Like be if we turn this into a horror movie, who would the characters Christian be? Bale. Christian Bale yeah, is Christian the husband. Bale would be like American Psycho. Yeah. Either the Fines brothers like Joseph Fine or, or Ray Fine would be. Horrible. Yeah, that would be super creepy. That would be super creepy. You know who I'd love is Annie would be like a Christina Ricci. You or... always want to bring it back to Wednesday. Oh, no, but did. like her ability to just look a little crazy like that i'm gonna hose you down scene would be a whole different level <laughs> you like run for your fucking life mommy's oh, home ah! oh my god i'm recasting the role and putting woody harrelson in here and now, <gasps> now it's all fucked up all right woody harrelson <laughs> can we just make this a natural born killer spinoff and do julia oh, lewis <laughs> yes, that would be ridiculous overboard with woody harrelson juliet lewis like oh watch them God. just murder each other in that cabin that would be I, a movie hollywood if you're listening i think we need this overboard <laughs> too it's too far overboard <laughs> we go overboard with so overboard. overboard i'm scared of like just even the trailer i'm afraid to watch this movie oh, no, just... it's, gonna, it's gonna be bloody you watch it with them it's gonna be bloody um, call us we're we'll associate producers on this <laughs> Amanda will write it for you. I'll do your screenplay. Yeah, overboard um, too. But I even think actors you think are comedic could couldn't really pull this off. I, I really think this was a special. It was a Kurt Russell special. Yeah. Again, for those out there who have watched Christmas Chronicles, there's a charm that you recognize as a parent in Christmas Chronicles because in that Kurt Russell plays Santa Claus and Goldie Hawn plays Mrs. Claus, and and you know the the charm really does still resonate with kids and and he does play honestly a creepy santa in that movie but does it's he? A, not a creepy santa but he's sort of like he has an attitude that snarky it, santa is he plays a santa, and i think okay. that it's the same charm i remember from this exact movie and it still resonates with the kids so i i do okay. think kurt russell's kind of unique in his ability to to do this so i loved him in it and i love that he lives in a dump his, the whole town is a dump. The house is a dump. It's like the perfect foil for the yacht. The roof leaks. Everything's broken. Everything's like held together by like duct tape and bubble gum. And, and to, to me, that and the kids are running crazy and blowing things up throughout the house. And there's two giant dogs that are just jumping all over the furniture and everything. Yeah. And there's like a zoo meets a circus meets a explosives factory. I feel like though I'm convincing you. That this is good and that this slows up, but we're gonna I, we're gonna continue on. You get that. too presumptive here. I'm gonna change. My I know. Mind. Yeah, I'm just true. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Just shut up. Now Don't get cocky, your... Jess. Don't get cocky. <laughs> uh, let's move on to Grant Staten the Third. Who is Grant Staten the Third? This character is the dweebiest, worst husband ever. But the second <laughs> he comes on the screen, I was like, "Who is this? I know who this is. Why? Uh, who is this actor?" I didn't get it at all. Woke up the next day and was like, oh, he plays Max in The Lost Boys. But it's Edward Herman. He plays everything and everything. He's... Yeah, especially in that era. Yeah. He, here's a really old throwback 
Do you remember in the movie Annie? Yeah, I mean, I, I saw it, but it was probably like, oh, God, I'm going to have to go way he back. He plays yeah. the president. They go to the oh, White really? House and she sings, you're never fully dressed without a smile. And he's so charmed by her. Yeah. That he oh, play, he so plays funny. FDR. And like, I guess Get he played FDR here. in other movies. He played, I used to watch that TV show, The Munsters. Like, oh, and yeah, it wasn't I great. Like I watched it too. Yeah, it was yeah. like a B-level Adams family. <laughs> and he was Herman Munster. He's in Gilmore Girls. He's just all over the place. He does have a minor role in Big Business, which I still cannot believe you which haven't I seen. I haven't seen. Please don't make me watch that next because... <laughs> I keep too, making you it's, watch it's too many new things all at once. Too many, too many new, new things. things. Yeah. No, he's a great actor, but he knows his place in this movie. He plays the guy with the perfectly punchable face. Like you think Absolutely. you can take him out in this movie. Like he's so annoying. He is I mean, he's just... a bigger rich bitch than the Joanna character. I mean, he's just he's such a rich asshole. He's the... just snobby and somehow physically he's just like delicate looking like you feel like you'd win the fight with him 100 <laughs> he's punchable and takeable if oh my god sense. very heavy-handed metaphor here but he just keeps shooting at things like he's like doing <laughs> skeet shooting off the deck of the yacht and he keeps missing or he's got archery going on at some point yeah and- I don't know what he's shooting at, but like, why would you have a bow and arrow on a yacht? This makes and no he sense. And he keeps saying, I have very expensive guns, and these are just some of them. And it's such a... I assume he's never hit anything. Fun. I mean, he just misses and misses and misses. Um, yeah. But he keeps trying to have sex with her. She keeps saying that she's just permanently on her period. Like, this guy... Oh, right. That is a running joke. Yeah, he's like, just... Oh. He's shooting and missing in all <laughs> levels of his life. Like, he's just the lamest... Person yeah, there's ever. definitely like on the nose, like dick metaphors here for sure. He is given the opportunity to go find Joanna at the hospital, and she is yelling at the doctors and yelling at the detectives. And when he overhears it from the next room, he says, No, oh, I don't know her. That's not actually my wife. My mistake. And backs away from the situation, which is on the news for some reason. <laughs> but he then proceeds to take her what turns out to be her yacht and go out to sea and have the lamest yacht orgy in the history of lame yacht orgies like they're dancing to tequila like peewee herman it's it's pathetic it's it's pretty lame yeah he's he's pretty much the lamest rich person ever a little bit more of a caricature than a character i think you want a fun cameo in the background of that stupid not an orgy scene though so riley hunter is one of the women dancing in the background of that scene where he's just like hey and like not getting it on with any of them yeah uh she's the woman john edwards had the affair with that like derailed his presidential campaign i mean that's a great live up podcast whoa what yeah all right so the friend is another character who I think is worth talking about. Yeah, the second he shows up. So we got Michael Haggerty playing Billy Pratt. He's, He's in Somebody Somewhere, re- and he died recently, actually. Oh, I didn't Sorry see to that. ruin that for you. I oh. ruined it for you. Sorry, he died last year. Oh, that's a shame. He's kind of that blue-collar everyman, and he's popped up yeah. in so many different things. He's been in a ton of Mike Myers movies. Like he's in all the Austin Powers. He was in Wayne's World. You kind of need the everyman because you kind of need that again, just the continued foil yeah. for the rich and famous lifestyle. So I liked him. He's also the friend who took the fall when the panties are found by 
by Annie at the time and they have a JS initial. So she's like, who's this woman? And the woman is her, but she doesn't realize that yet. Which and by the way, who gets their friggin' panties monogrammed? That is a great point. She looks at them and goes, these are very expensive. He must have a really rich girl. And right, she knows no. monogrammed panties. <laughs> this is so great. Actually, listeners, if you're, if you own monogrammed panties in a non-creepy way. I, I actually don't know. really want to know which of our listeners have monogrammed That's a good panties. Point. I don't yeah, keep, it keep it to yourself. Keep it to yourself. Keep it yourself. Don't do it anonymous. I just want to know what company does that though. Like, <laughs> is it like L.L. Bean? I know what I'm getting you for Christmas this year. I'm getting you at monogram. The LL Bean monogram line. Instead of a backpack, it's made out of silk underwear. 100% flannel. Stitch your monogram into it like a backpack. I don't know. I'm afraid to Google this, honestly. I just don't want Google like selling this to other companies. Like, oh, she's very interested in monogram panties. What? Can you imagine the it was for a podcast? It was for a podcast. <laughs> oh man. All right. So then we have the butler. I don't know what else he was in, but I thought he I feel like he was he also is actually great. a phenomenal actor who it's one of those, why is he in this? But also he made himself the executive producer, so good for him. Good for uh, him. He's the original Planet of the Apes. He plays the ape, like the talking ape. Oh, wow. Okay. He's in all sorts of like really prestigious movies in the 60s and 70s. And then somehow in 1987, he landed as the butler, as the butler. and overboard. But he gets, some, he gets some classy lines in this. He does. And he's sort of, again, he's he's sort of the conscious of Joanna in a way. Like, I mean, I think he sort of serves a purpose. That's fine. Yeah, no, she's abusing the crap out of him at the beginning of this movie. And then at the end when she has her, I'm going to say epiphany, but it's not. Like, she gets kidnapped and <laughs> turned into a different <laughs> person. But she goes it's, back on the lighter. The, it's kidnapping could be good. It sometimes. could be an epiphany of sorts. Um, yeah. She gets put back onto the yacht after they come for her and she's talking to him and he makes a comment about how everybody has their role in life and that she had the privilege of escaping her bonds for a spell and it's very elegant the way he says it like the you got to try on another life for a moment so he he does get the best lines he also at the end gets to kick grant physically kick grant off the yacht like with a yeah, splash that's fine. And just says, I'm giving my notice. I mean, I would love to quit a job like that. It's sort of like the greatest way to end your employment somewhere is to basically kick somebody off a boat. I mean, that's kind of amazing. Hmm. Yeah, I thought he was he was good. I mean, you kind of needed that character. Any good We Eat the Rich movie needs a good butler. So, and just if we didn't call him out, that was Brody McDowell. Apparently everyone confused him with the actor of A Clockwork Orange because oh. that's also Malcolm McDowell. So in reference to that, the scarecrow that Annie chainsaws the head off of is actually done up like the character from A Clockwork Orange and she cuts the head off of it. And that was oh, a nod fun. to, hey, Roddy, you were not the guy who's in A Clockwork Orange. We're just going to cut the head off of this thing for you. Yeah, that's funny. It's kind of fun. It's kind of fun. 
let's 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 talk about the myth thing because okay. I honestly didn't remember that from my viewing it as a kid. It's so throwaway that you wouldn't remember it. Yeah, as a kid, like it's like I sort of vaguely remember him talking about the the Arturo myth, but it didn't resonate with me as a kid. I didn't honestly even realize how much it's part or sort of part of the plot in the ending until I was an adult. But yeah, what what did you think of it, Amanda? So just to remind our listeners, they go out on her fake birthday date. Actually, this part's kind of funny because he's trying to tell her and instead of being able to confess that, hey, I kidnapped you from a hospital, he just says, oh, I missed your birthday. They'll cover for it. Oh, that's right. He takes her on a date for her birthday and they exit with a glass of champagne and they're looking out of her $7 glass of champagne. $7. We're way upgrading from the Muppets Uh, here. This is a classy date. Inflation from the 99 cent Idaho wine. We judge all movies on how expensive these single glasses (laughs) of champagne were at your worst restaurant. So they're standing, looking at the water over the bay, and he says this whole myth about Arturo and Katarina and how the waves and their star-crossed lovers and that the boat sank or they're it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense but like they're out there the waves are crashing you're supposed to like ring the bell or honk the horn three times and it comes up later in the movie so I read that interview with the screenwriter and she was saying that she did not write this bit and she's appalled that they inserted this into her movie it's it's a bit cheesy it's very stupid and it is a little stupid, and I know it comes back at the end, but you don't need it. You really no. I, I will say, I also read that there was originally two endings filmed for this movie. Interesting. Did they One have them? Around? Well, no. Yeah, and they all die at the end. They, like, <laughs> they fall overboard, and they, like, drown. Yeah, no, that's, that's They're the, eaten by that's sharks. Woody it, version. it was appalling. <laughs> Actually, yes, the Woody Harrelson Juliet Lewis version that we were writing ends with the meeting. They're all eaten by sharks at the end. No, the original two versions they shot, one was when the limo shows up at the house, she gets into it as she does and then makes them stop the limo and she jumps out the door of the limo and runs back to the house. And that's the Uh end of the movie. But because it's called Overboard, and I will agree that this is a much better ending, she gets back on the yacht, you get the snarky psychologist, and like chaos ensues, more things are broken, and she jumps off the boat again and swims back to Kurt Russell's boat as he's chasing her. The legend thing feels super forced. You don't need that. You could have still the dramatic ending and then be fine of them jumping and meeting in the ocean in a way. Yeah. Like, you don't need the legend. I would say that's not a cringy thing, but it's stupid and doesn't need to be there. That's on the producers and not on the screenwriter. She really disowned that. She has nothing to do with it. Okay. Now that we're towards the end. Yes. I'm really thinking I might have convinced you that this movie loves up. So can we review the things that we we liked about the movie? What did you like about it, Amanda? What's great? The great things about this movie, I would say, are that the chemistry between Goldie Hawn and Kurt are obviously fantastic. They knock it out of the park, except we're going to write that horror screenplay and sell it to Woody Harrelson and Juliette Lewis. Oh, that's going to be so good. One thing, just watching it again, I do think it's just a pretty decent movie to rewatch. And it's sort of 
fun to see the 80s overindulgence represented. And I, there's something fun about that. I do like at the end when she goes back and is like, you know what? I want to have these kids in my life. They're giving me purpose. And they're all kind of headed back to her lifestyle. And she just is finally like, oh, no, it's my yacht and it's my money. Like, he's just the tagalog. They yeah. never said it until that point because it was like, oh, did she marry into this money? And it was like, right. oh, no, the money. Her money like yeah boom screw that guy he's literally overboard they're not rescuing him so i did like that part at the end like oh no it's my yacht and the kids are trying to put porsches on their christmas lists great great <laughs> yeah i feel like i'm getting there with uh, with convincing you it's good and so that's good so that, that that's that's a point i think in its favor <laughs> i will we'll see we'll see i i really have no idea which way you're gonna go here I um, honestly don't either. And we're getting right up to that moment. I'll say, like, I think you could feel good about rewatching this for those who have watched it. And if I can't speak to those who haven't, like you, but it's a fun rewatch. It's a little bit of a time capsule. And I do think you could watch it with your kids. I don't think there's anything too cringy like we talked about. We debated this so if people could see on their own. But I think you could feel good about rewatching it. I mean, Elaine and I were like psyched to sit down and rewatch it, and we were very happy with that decision. I mean, it was, it was fun. So this is me really trying to, to win a man <laughs> over. Um. <laughs> I feel like I'm. There's a political campaign going on on behalf. There of is this movie. a little bit. I mean, you were trying with Mad Max. I mean, you were getting me a little bit. So okay, so now you know. Now that I've done my best to convince, let's go to ratings. So for those who haven't listened and are new listeners, so we are going to rate first one to 10 for adults rewatching it or watching it for the first time. One being garbage, 10 being Princess Bride. And then we'll be, do the same for kids today or the intended audience. So this is the adult rating. I think I'll go first because I have a nostalgic attachment to it. I, I gave it a seven for adults on the scale. I think it's still a great comedy. I do think it's a little bit better than True Beverly Hills. Uh, and I did go back and look at my rating there. It's very feel good. And I think if you haven't seen it before, I'm hoping that you really appreciate the comedy that is Goldie Hawn in this. <laughs> and that is my final. All right. <laughs> so I'll give it a seven. Okay. This is my adult rating. Oh, also yeah, went back idea. and looked at Troop Beverly Hills, but I didn't like that movie. I thought it was super annoying. Uh, she was wrong. Anyway. <laughs> disagree. Disagree. I'm giving this a five for adults. Perfectly neutral. It's not good. It's not bad. I was drinking two glasses of wine while watching it. It was a very 80s place to be. I've a never five. given any movie a five before. So this is needing yeah, you're, indecisive. Yeah, you're not that neutral. And this is, yeah. just, you know, I think she, you gave True Beverly Hills a, a three because that annoyed the crap out of me. Yeah, which is totally <laughs> wrong. All right. So that's adult rating. So our next one. So same thing. One to 10. One being garbage. 10 being Princess Bride. What do you think it rates for kids today or it's intended audience? So I, I do think that it could be kids or tweens, maybe teens would be okay. the intended audience. I feel it. like younger kids could watch this, but that it's probably more of a teen oriented. Yeah, maybe teen tween oriented. I'm going to give this a four for kids. Okay. I feel like it's a little dated and I feel that encouraging men to kidnap 
women out of the hospital as a retaliation is a bad message and gaslighting this is a terrible depiction of gaslighting but other than that it's charming (laughs) i'm gonna go a little bit higher but not too much i'm gonna give it a six and i I think i'm gonna give it a six because i think it's over halfway probably because it's simple i mean i do think there's a simplicity to the revenge plot that could resonate and the charm could resonate. I also think kids in teens today will recognize them as Christmas Chronicles in some ways. So yeah, six. So that's a 10 for kids. And what do we got for adults? 12. That's not bad. We're rating it higher than Troop Beverly Hills. Yeah. On par, with, Hills? on par with the Dark Crystal. Oh, okay. On par with Raiders of the Lost Ark. Interesting. Yeah. I mean... I put it there. I mean, I think that's fair. <laughs> so the final question, we both have to agree, does this live up? I definitely think it lives up. I think it's so much fun to rewatch. I had a great time rewatching this. So I, I mean, you know, I'm a yes. So I think, yeah. oh, I'm like cringing. I'm going to hide behind my notes. Let's no, I, I genuinely don't know. Ah! I'd, I'd never <laughs> seen this before. So this was my first viewing of it. So I don't have the nostalgia. I don't know. So I will say the movies where one of us has seen it and the one of us haven't have not fared well. So all of the ones that we have chosen where you've seen it and I haven't, I've tanked the rating and vice versa where I've seen it and you haven't and you've tanked it. So they don't fare well typically when you don't have the nostalgia factor. I guess what I'm wondering is like if you're, is this a good movie for you? Because you don't have the, oh, when I was a kid, I don't remember, I remember yeah. this. I thought it was funny. So I, I kind of have that. And yet, yeah. and I enjoyed rewatching it all over again. Um, and as we've established on this podcast, not every movie meets that bar. No. So that's, that's where I am. I think it's a solid, yes, it's a solid fun rewatch. And I think it's all right for, for kids and teens to watch too. I I'm working am... hard here. solidly confused i I think it sounds like we're playing by the if it's not a hell yes it's a no vote and this isn't a hell yes for me i don't just like this movie but it's not a hell yes for me oh it's very sad so i do think we need to judge it of like if you're neutral it's going to be a no because i i was just thinking for even myself i felt somewhat conflicted about indiana jones and yeah i felt like if i wasn't yes then although i could almost rethink that rating but anyway all that to say i think it's up or down it doesn't live up yes or no i am a yes and okay i do think a waffle or a uh i don't know is kind of a no i and guess i, would I don't feel know better no, if then. it was i would feel better if you were like i loved this and it's a lives up and i was really hoping that would be the case it's um, cute i don't dislike it but it's not a hell yes. It's not a hell yes. All right. Our, I want to hear you say it because I can't say it. Okay. It's a no for me. That's very sad. All right. So that's that's a does not live up from the Live Up podcast. It officially does not live up. And, you know, there are close calls. We have had close calls in this, this podcast. This was a barely, barely. Barely. I would really, th- I do think Indiana Jones falls in this category where yeah. really by a hair did not live up but i do think we have to keep this one binary so the according to our rules that the very official rules that we set for this podcast i am sure that listeners will have opinions over the deeming of this not living up and 
If you do have opinions, listeners, please let us know or specifically call Amanda out at Live Up Pod on all the socials. Uh, sorry, Liz. <laughs> yeah, sorry, Liz. Oh, man. Uh, and, and we'll start a threads, too. So we're on all the socials and we'll add threads as well. So at Live Up Pod, uh, let us know what you think. What did we miss? What did Amanda miss specifically? Um, I'm going to go clutch my <laughs> pearls in the corner in shame after this. I'm sorry, everyone. But yes, so this this did not live up, but that's okay. Just barely. And we'll, we'll get her next time, guys. So thanks for listening. 